As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we start the show, we just wanted to let you know about The Athletic's Black Friday deal. Starting Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, The Athletic's great writing is just $1 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat to lock in our very best price of the year. Just $1 a month for new subscribers. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of The Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and with me for every post-game edition is Matt Beauvais. He is the sports director at WKBW Channel 7 in Buffalo. And the Bills in this one, yeah, it was a stinker. Uh, they they lost by a score of 45-17. to 17. It seemed like that they were kind of behind the eight ball right from the early stages. They It also seemed like that they were kind of closing in on the Colts and then just completely vomited all over themselves at the end of the first half. And that uh, basically led us to the result today, where the Bills have a ton of questions to ask themselves from this game. And it's, it's gotten to the point where we have to start legitimately wondering... And not just going, oh, this team is talented. They're going to figure it out. Oh, this team is doing is this and this. They're going to figure it out. It's time to wonder if maybe this is just who they are. And we'll, we'll get into all that as we kind of go forward. Go forward. Matt Beauvais, uh, this game, if you had to use a word, I use stinker. If you had to use a word to describe it, what would you say? Embarrassing. I don't yeah. know if that's maybe a little bit too harsh, but no, they it's, laid an X it's, in- Yeah. It's the second time they've done it in the last three weeks. Listen, we thought this team was a Super Bowl contender. That's what we were talking about after the Chiefs game. And since we had that conversation, they're two and three. And their two wins are against the Dolphins and the Jets. Like, there are very serious concerns about this team on both sides of the ball right now. And I I think this was an embarrassing performance. And that word was specifically used after the game to, you know, some of the players. Uh, there were fellow reporters that said, hey, is this an embarrassing loss? Would you put it in that category? And the players wouldn't go there. Obviously, they have a lot of pride. They think they're going to be able to turn this around. But, I mean, come on. You're at home. You're a touchdown favorite. I think the Colts are a very good team. We talked about that this week. I think this was a really tough game for the Bills. And they, they just didn't show up. And to do that to the level that they did today is, I, I think, an embarrassing look. Yeah. The Colts are a playoff team. Let's let's start there. Um, they are talented. They have the, the best running back in the NFL right now, now that Derrick Henry is, is uh, hurt. He is just dominant at, at this point in time. Their offensive line is an incredible run-blocking unit. Pass-blocking, you know a bit to be desired just because of some injuries up front because they have to move a little bit. But run blocking, they just, they're so synced up and so well coached and well schemed that it's just, 
it, it's very uh, fun watching them uh, perform and and really just suckering in defenders that are unknowing to to what's happening. So that is part of it. Their defense, it's starting to get there. Their secondary is still a train wreck, but um, from for all the other teams out there that have their flaws, the Colts are a pretty talented team. And I would say that they're better than the Raiders. I would say that they're better than the Broncos. Certainly better than the Browns. Um, so I think this is a this is a playoff team, at, at least in my mind. And I, I would expect them to be in the postseason when when things finally get there. However, this is under that uh, that guise. This is not a game that you just sit down and die in. I mean. This is a team, a kind of team that you are going to see in the postseason. And of course, this is the last thing I ever want this show to be, or my my entire career to be, is to be a hot take artist. Like, I am anti-hot take. I, I don't like to be a prisoner of the moment. It's not my style. It never has been. It never will be. But it is hard to ignore the evidence that is mounting about this current team uh, that the Bills have here. They have either completely blown out their opponents or lost to a team uh, pretty pretty close. Um, this one was the exception because they got blown out and it was not close early on. But it leads you to some questions about their overall inconsistency and whether or not that this is just who they are. Now, of course, they were without Star Latulale in this game, their their best run defending defensive tackle. They were out without Spencer Brown, their third round rookie who has been a, a really nice find for them at, at right tackle. Are you telling me those two guys are really going to change the entire game today? No chance. They were absolutely crushed today. They made several mental errors. They made and it's not just like this is a one-off for the mental errors. Like this has been a consistent theme throughout the season, whether it be with penalties, um, just just overall errors from the offensive side. The defense chipped in with a lot of mental errors of their own in this game and the Titans game a few weeks ago, and it's it's getting to the point where if it's not a complete blowout where they're in total control, like who are these guys? They they haven't won a close game. What would you count as a close game? The Chiefs wasn't. The the Dolphins game, maybe? But that's a that's a one, two, or three win team. I don't even know how many wins they have now. It's this is a maddeningly inconsistent team to where it's either all or nothing. And they need to figure themselves out here. Like the the team that was there last year that had the explosive offense that even if they didn't have their best stuff in the first couple of quarters, you could you could see you could definitely think, oh, they're still in it. They could still bring this back. That team is not this team. This team is now at the point where you have to seriously consider what their actual ceiling is. And not to say that this is like, oh, the sky is falling, sky is falling, they're not even gonna make the playoffs. You have to wonder if this this team is good enough to to get to the Super Bowl at this point. And there's a lot of evidence that points to the contrary. I agree. I will say this. And like you, I try not to be the hot take guy unless it comes to cookies or Christmas music or things like that. But with actual football, I don't want to make it seem like the sky is falling. If you're going to hit a slump, this is going to be the little glimmer, like glass half full. Somebody tweeted at us before we started doing the episode and was like, guys, I need to to try and give me a little bit of hope. So that's what I'm going to try and do here. If you're going to have a time to fall asleep in slump, it's better that it happens now than it opposed to a month or in the playoffs. There is still time for this team to hopefully try and turn things around for their own sake. Am I confident they do that? No, especially after a performance like today. But they could. And I think the reason they could is because they still do have 
some damn good players on this roster. And I know after a game like this, it's hard to say that and be like, okay, well, why aren't these guys showing up? Well, there's a lot of reasons why these, you know, this team isn't showing up and why they're losing these games. But I do think that you'd rather it happen now. I know there's a couple people who are tweeting about the Bucks just getting their just getting absolutely blown out last year. I think it was on November 20th, so just a day different in the season by the Saints. The Bucks just got destroyed, and look what they ultimately did. The flaws are very different. The Bills have things that they need to figure out. I think they're still you know, a playoff team. I think they're still a team that could compete for a Super Bowl, but I by no means think they are the favorite to win it or should be because they're weak on both lines, and one player should on each side should not be the difference it can have an impact but it can't have the level of impact we've seen so many times this season when spencer brown isn't in there the bills offensive line can't be terrible he's one player he's a third round rookie and they've struggled at a lot of points this year sometimes with him in the lineup and the same thing goes for starla tulale they need to be better as a unit and once again today I think they got pushed around on both, you know, both lines, and that was ultimately one of the biggest reasons why they were blown out today. Yeah, see, I'm I'm less, um, I guess, uh, overwhelmingly uh, knowledgeable as to how the offensive line played in this game today, just because there's so many different things that that. Uh, that could lead to one way or another. I know the Colts were trying to defend them and pin Josh Allen inside the pocket. They were trying to disguise coverages a bunch. I do know the run blocking was not good uh, for the most part, except when uh, their running backs got to the outside and was able to get into some space. Um, but yeah, for the for the most part, the run blocking wasn't great, but they didn't run block a ton. So I can't really speak as much to the offensive line. But like you, it's it should not be a situation where you lose one rookie, and then the whole thing goes to hell. Um, I think there's a lot of pieces of blame, but I also don't know that I would necessarily blame the offense a crazy amount for this game. I think this 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 game fully falls on the defense in this one. I mean, yeah, the offense made... Uh, I mean, Josh Allen made a, a horrible interception early on when it looked like they were driving, but they even kind of turned it around. I think, I think this falls on the run defense's feet and the fact that they just could not sustain anything up front from what the Colts were doing. The Colts were were baiting them hook, line, and sinker. The the trap blocks they were running just absolutely crushed at Oliver. So, uh, you know, after the game, there's always like certain things that I kind of look to to try and figure out, okay, who was the weak link? And, you know, it's it's never an exact science because there are a lot of different factors that go into run defense. Certainly have to think about the linebackers, how the cornerbacks are playing it, uh, how how the defensive ends fit the uh, the rushing lanes and, and everything along those lines, how the safeties, whether or not they're up and everything like that. So there's a lot to consider. But I did think it was prudent to go back and look at how each, how the Bills fared when each player was on the field for them. And you know, if if you'll uh if you won't mind me going through some of these statistics. Um at defensive tackle, I think that was kind of the the premier position here because you know Star Latulale wasn't available. And they effectively went to a three person rotation. Like Harrison Phillips in this game took over 80% of snaps, which is far and away the the most that any defensive tackle has taken in one game this year for the Bills. So he did a lot because he was their only one true one technique. And when he was on the field, they surrendered a total of 196 yards and 6.13 yards per carry. Uh, Ed Oliver, it got even worse. 131 total yards. He had the fewest uh, defensive tackle snaps of him, Phillips, and Vernon Butler. And the yards per carry when Ed Oliver was on the field was 7.28. So that's that's pretty horrible but weirdly enough Vernon Butler who I think is the worst player of the three of them had the finger quotes best average of the three where uh, they allowed 104 yards and 4.7 yards per carry so like nobody is uh, nobody is um, 
you can't exonerate anybody for this, but it was just them completely getting bowled over in the middle. They just did not serve up anything. The defensive ends, most of the defensive ends were not helping with the exception of Greg Rousseau and, and Boogie Basham from the way that the stats kind, kind of lined up. And yeah, the run defense in totality, they could just not get their act together. And it's completely reminiscent of what happened last year in 2020. Like Star Latule was not in the lineup and they struggled with their depth. They struggled with their talent. They struggled with their size and, and teams just could run on them at will for a, a good portion of last season. You know, they figured it out every, every once or once and again, but for the most part, it struggled last year to the point in which that it needed to be uh, Latula. They needed him so badly, but I don't think Latula would have mattered today. I honestly don't. They just the, the Colts just absolutely crushed them up front, and that is not what you need, especially when this is this was their most or their their most significant opponent since the Titans game. On October 19th. Like. And they just absolutely got blown out. It just. It, it shouldn't sit right with a lot of people. It it was. You, you hit the nail on the head. It was an embarrassment. And there's really no other way around it. I mean. And it was at home. Like. Yeah. Come on. To kind of have that performance. At home. Is. Just even more. Salt in the wound. And. The reason that this is even more concerning, like once again, I I do think that this is still a playoff team. I want to make that clear. Their next couple games, like if Alvin Kamara is ready to go on Thanksgiving, like I, I have no faith that they're going to be able to contain him after what I saw today with Jonathan Taylor. And then you get the Patriots and they have been very effective running the ball this year. And then you get the Bucks, and how do you try and stop that team with Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and all of the weapons they have out wide? It, it does not get easier. And then who's the next week? Oh, it's just Christian McCaffrey. Pretty good. And then who's after that? Oh, the Patriots again. Like every team that they're playing from here on out, besides their last two games, has a running back that is very dangerous. I think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the NFL, but they've about to play some really good ones. And this is a problem for this team. It's been a problem for this team. And let's assume that Starla Tulele is back. We don't know if he's going to be ready to go or not by Thursday, and we don't want to assume that. But let's assume that he's back for Monday Night Football. I don't think one player is going to make a difference that much. And if he is going to make that big of a difference it means that the rest of your defense is flawed and everybody wants to point the blame somewhere. And I tend to agree with you. Like, yes, Josh Allen deserves some criticism from today. He gets paid a ton of money and he is supposed to be an MVP candidate. He did not play that way today, but come on. They gave up 41 points. They could not stop Jonathan Taylor. The guy had 245. That's right. No, 41, right? 45. 45, 17. No, 41-15. Oh, it? you're right. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, my, my numbers are all the way off right now. My bad. No, it's okay. But, I mean, Jonathan Taylor had more than 200 total yards in five total touchdowns. This was not a surprise. Every defensive player at some point this week was asked by a reporter, how are you going to stop Jonathan Taylor? Oh, you know, he's really good, and, you know, we're just going to do our, you know, the whole nonsense. And... They this this did not catch them off guard. He was the guy you needed to stop. They knew that, and they couldn't do it. And that's a concern. Carson Wentz threw for 106 yards in this game. 106 yards. I'm not saying it's an indictment on him or anything like that. It's just he did nothing. He didn't have to do anything. He needed to turn around and hand it to Jonathan Taylor. And they just got punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and my apologies. I think I got it confused with the Jets score last week. Um, so yeah, that that was actually a good thing because I just messaged my editor and said, hey, I think I screwed up the score <laughs> in the <laughs> initial couple graphs. Uh, just, just a heads up. So uh, m- many thanks for that. You're welcome. Yeah, I got you. It's, it's been a long day. Um, but it's 
it's not as though they were, it was a complete stink fest in certain phases. Um, the, I thought the, the passing offense was moving the ball a bit. Um, the, the pass defense for the most part was solid, but they didn't get tested and it was an entirely, um, the, they didn't force the Colts to be one dimensional or they didn't force the Colts to be two dimensional at all. And their one dimension was just crushing them. And it wasn't even though it was just big run after a big run, like these chunk plays, like it was against Tennessee. It was a consistent six to seven yards every time Jonathan Taylor touched the ball. And he touched the ball a lot in this game. So there's a ton of people um, it, to blame here. I think Tremaine Edmonds uh, might make a little bit of a difference. And if you want kind of a silver lining for the for the Thursday game, not only uh, did Alvin Kamara try to practice on Wednesday and then have to go back and not practice on Thursday and Friday, the, the Saints were also without two of their best offensive linemen against the Eagles in this past game. So uh, with a quick turnaround, there's no telling if, if those three – players will be available to uh, to the Saints, to which that would mean that they would need to rely on Mark Ingram and Trevor Simeon, which I think would go pretty well from a, from a Bills perspective. However, the Saints are still going to try to run the ball because they have Trevor Simeon as their quarterback, and they're going to see exactly what the, what the Colts did. And Sean Payton's a really smart guy, and figuring out who to target – how to get Ed Oliver off his game as a run defender the way the Colts did. Uh, it, it was ugly uh, for a lot of parts. But as much as we've been hammering the run defense for being horrible today, which is what they were, I will say that a very close second to the run defense uh, playing as poorly as they did into why this game unfolded the way it did is none other than Isaiah McKenzie. Like that is I'm I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm, his I'm mistake so glad you brought it up. His mistake at the end of the first half is unforgivable and it completely changed the complexion of the game. He forced his own fumble. Like yeah, it's it's wet, it's rainy out there, he slipped, what have you. Hold on to the ball. Not that hard. Hold on to the ball. You're a professional athlete. You get paid millions of dollars. Like, like it's that's a that's a core requirement here. And it's not as though this is like a, a one-off for Isaiah McKenzie. This is a, a kind of the the situation of his career. Ball security has been an issue for him dating back to his days in Denver. That's kind of why they cut him and how the Bills claimed him in the first place. And and then you have the occasional muffed punt here and fumbled uh, a, a fumble there. And then in practice, you see him kind of screw up uh, some punt or kickoff catches from time to time. Like he's not, he's not totally trustworthy back there. And like every single time he, he fields a, a kickoff or punt return. Like I sit next to Tim Graham and I look at him like, is this the time? Is this the one? And it turned out that it, happened in a horrible spot after the Bills in on the previous possession, they went down, they scored their first touchdown of the game. It really looked like that their offense was starting to get into a groove. The defense held the Colts to a field goal and it, and they were about to get the ball back with over two minutes to play and with the offense playing as well as it was and to get the ball back at the beginning of the second half. Like that is a humongous 14-point swing there. And it, that's just... I I think this game could have been different had that play not gone the way that it did. But it just it just goes to show like you can't put untrustworthy players in those positions. And Sean McDermott after the game doubled down and said he he has confidence in Isaiah McKenzie in that position. But should he? Like if it comes back to haunt him again this season, then that's completely on McDermott for not learning their lesson the first time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I am wondering if we see Marquez Stevenson back on this team after their mini bye week thing after Thanksgiving. How many times have we seen this dude running up and down the sideline at practice and wondering, like, I wonder if he's going to be ready to go. And I'm curious what they're going to do because then they would have some decisions to make if they did elevate him to the 53-man roster. I could not agree with you more. I'm kind of petty, and I was a big Andre Roberts guy when he was here. I thought he was really good and really reliable, which is what I think you need out of a kick returner. If I was a coach, I would probably tell my returners, hey, don't bother taking it out because bad things usually happen when we take it out or we take a penalty. Like pretty much every time the Bills have a return, there's a special teams penalty. So just starting at the 25 seems like a win. And in that moment when it happened, I I had to delete a tweet. I had a tweet written basically like, if they go down and score points here, even if it's just a field goal and this game is 17 to 10, then, you know, consider it a win for how bad they played to start the game. And before I could even hit send on that tweet, the whole debacle happened. But my mm-hmm. pettiness comes from me searching like Andre Roberts with my name on Twitter and then seeing all of the responses like, he's not that good, or anybody can do this. McKenzie is going to be just as good, if not better. Yada, yada, yada. That's all nonsense. Like, this is absolutely a problem, and it has been a problem. Like you said, multiple times this season, I can remember one fumble from Andre Roberts on a punt. And it was in that weird Tuesday night game against Tennessee, I think. I think it was in that game. But like the fact that I can't think of exactly when it was or if there were others is probably a good sign for just how reliable that guy was. And I'm sure they wanted to keep him, but they didn't have the money to do it. And then I think he ultimately got cut by Houston, right? Yeah, he's with the Chargers now. Yeah, I'm watching him literally as we speak on Sunday Night Football. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know. It's a big problem for them, and I could not agree more because I absolutely think... If he doesn't fumble that ball, they go down the field. They probably score at least a field goal. We're looking at a 17-10 game, Mm -hmm. and then they get the ball to start the second half. And you can make the argument like, well, the mistake happened. There's nothing you can do about it. And I agree with that. But I think like on the most basic level, it's like anything. It's like, you know, if you're playing a round of golf and you hit a bad shot, then you get in your head, you start to doubt yourself, and then you hit another bad shot, and the mistakes start to get compounded, and then all of a sudden, you know, things fall off the rails. And I kind of think that's what happened to the Bills after that point. I think mm-hmm. it just kind of was like, yeah, like, w- what are we supposed to do? Everything is going wrong. The penalties we're taking, the fumbles, the interceptions, all this stuff just kind of mounted on top of them. I-, I think that was unequivocally the turning point in this game. Yeah, and... I, I will say, to Isaiah McKenzie's credit, I think he's really good at, uh, well, his speed, certainly, his vision on returns once the ball is secured and making the first guy miss. Like, he's he's really talented with that, and it, and it really helps him into a lot of advantageous opportunities. However, if you are at risk to potentially, you know, give the ball away right right then and there. And he's also made some curious decisions about when to field a punt, when not to field a punt for certain field positioning. Um, you know, everyone remembers the the Steelers weird play or was it was it Washington? I can't remember. Was it Steelers or Washington where uh, they kicked Washington. it short? It was Washington, Washington. that's right. Washington. They, they kicked it short. He wasn't prepared. 
Washington ends up getting it, and that that game becomes a game again, even though the Bills basically were in cruise control at that point. So it has to be a consideration, and they they have enough evidence now with McKenzie to know that this is a thing for him. So for as long as that they have him out on the field, the next mistake in a huge spot that he makes, that's completely that's not on him. That's on them for for, you know, maybe I would even go as far as potential negligence at that point because when you have when you have a, another young explosive returner that is just kind of hanging around, Marquez Stevenson, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I don't think that there's a roster spot open for him, and it seems like that they're pretty committed to McKenzie at this point. And I think the next mistake probably is the one that will push him off of those duties, or at least get their minds really thinking about it, because they want to. They know McKenzie is a big part of their locker room, and and I don't think that they and I don't think that they want to necessarily upset what's going on in there. But you can't just continue to accept mistakes. And for as many good returns as he has, like that's a that was a game changing play because not only did it ruin their opportunity to potential potentially bring it within one score heading into the half, it put the Colts on the doorstep. They go up by what was it, seventeen points uh, to begin the the second half, and from that point forward, the Bills' offense is forced to be one dimensional. Like they can no longer uh, have the threat to run because the Colts will go, Oh, okay, go ahead, run it. Like, what do we care? We're just going to stop you for three yards and, you know, drag this thing out because they're going to run the ball. The Colts are going to run the ball a ton and, and try and extend their possessions as long as possible. And that's, that's basically how they were going to play it. So because of McKenzie's error, it turns the bills into a more one dimensional offense it forces Josh Allen to press a bit more. Like, do you remember their their first possession in the second half? Incompletion, incompletion, yeah. incompletion. Just off the field. I think, I think it was twenty one seconds. Um, it just that sounds com- that sounds right. It, it completely put them on the back foot, and there was no recovering from that point because then the Colts took the ball over and and they they were able to. Uh, Moved the ball in the second half. Jonathan Taylor continued to assert his dominance. Is it was uh, at that point? It was just a a snowball rolling down a hill, gathering more snow and getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it eventually just crushed him. And that's that's how it unfolded. What an absolute turd burger of a day from the special teams unit as a whole, huh? And yeah. it was on the day where they announced the special teams players coming out of the tunnel. It was just the perfect irony with everything. But you had Tyler Bass missing two kicks. One of him, one of them, he completely gets a pass on. I mean, it's a fifty-seven yarder in the rain, and he hit the upright. Like, yeah, he doinked okay, it. That's he doinked it. Like that's gonna happen. Sure, he should have made the other one, but he's been so good this year, putting it all on his shoulders. I don't think is fair. But just, you know, the first play of the game, they give up a pretty big return. They give the Colts great field position. Then you've got the Isaiah McKenzie fumble. And from that point on, it was like, okay, this is just, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, this, to me, the big story of this game, that's going to be the turning point for me is the Isaiah McKenzie fumble. But I think it's two things. It's Jonathan Taylor absolutely ran all over you and you made way too many unforced errors. And that was Mm -hmm. on... In all three phases, and that's the penalties, the turnovers, the all of the just things that they did. It, they just couldn't get out of their own way today, and I felt like there were so many moments in this game when they could have tried to turn things around or could have seemed like they were making it a game, and then they did something that ultimately cost them. Yeah, the third down stats for the defense were also horrendous today. Uh, they they allowed the Colts to convert on 8 of 12 opportunities. And it was actually worse than that because that doesn't take into account the penalties on third downs because there was also, there was the, um, uh, there was the, Third, uh, the third down where Mario Addison took the roughing the passer and on the same play, A.J. Klein took the pass, uh, the defensive pass interference. And additionally, there was the Taron Johnson holding penalty that, that gave them another first down. And then if you want to really uh, put salt in the wounds, uh, after Levi Wallace allowed the 
completely dusted T.Y. Hilton to beat him in a man-to-man coverage opportunity on a, on a crosser across the middle. Um, Jordan Poyer then takes a uh, unnecessary roughness penalty by hitting Hilton on the sideline. So just this, the third down stuff, it was just an absolute clunker um, for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it, it, I think more than anything, rather than the minutia of the game, it's just, it's a means to bring about a bigger conversation as to what is the actual ceiling of this team. Like all off season, like they, they put together this roster, they kept it together. They thought continuity would be the key to success. And for the most part, they've been right. But they've only been right 60% of the time. And the times where they've gone up against anyone competitive, not named Kansas City, it hasn't gone their way. Like Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, eh, full Jacksonville. But <laughs> yeah, it's it makes you legitimately wonder... If this is just a a playoff team, like I th- I still think they're going to win the AFC East. I do. I I'm still not sold on the Patriots' offense. Um, I do think this defense will get their stuff together by the time that they um, they play the Patriots, and that they'll put together a, a game plan for Mac Jones because Sean McDermott is very good against young quarterbacks. Uh, he was also very good against Trevor Simeon a couple years ago when he was with Denver. So keep that in mind. Um, but I think I think this is ultimately the AFC East division winning team. It's just past that. Like I'm not sold that they're necessarily going to lock them in to win their first playoff game. Like anybody can beat them. Any playoff team that will be available in that first week can beat this team if they do not get mentally tougher and focus on the small stuff. Like this whole season, we've heard this this team almost in unison go, we know how good of a team we are. We know all this. We know all that. Well, like prove it. It's it's well past the point in which it's a small sample size. Like you're 10 games into a 17-game season. You have to be able to to capitalize and to show that you are what you say you are. And they're still they're still considered to be a playoff team at this point and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They're still talented, everything like that. But it's also a bigger conversation about expectations and how they deal with them. And I don't know that this team necessarily does that well with the the weighty expectations. I mean, every single sign of evidence that we have seen from them has been has been uh, them kind of crumbling in in these bigger games. Like the Kansas City game was different because at that point they're still they're the underdogs in that scenario, and they thrive being the underdog. Like that has been their shtick since 2017. They've loved it, and once they they had a taste of it for that Kansas City game on the road, they blew out the Chiefs, and it was their most impressive game of the season. But in all these other games, for the games that they should have won, where they were favored uh, against playoff caliber opponents, like they've they've turtled. Like the Tennessee game should have won, they they blew it. Pittsburgh game should have won, they blew it. Indianapolis, they got completely blown out against a team that uh, was surging, but surging against really bad teams. It's just, it's almost as though that they've gotten their wish now. Like this is. They can now play the underdog card. So that might be the best thing going for them now that everyone doubts them again. Uh, that where they can turn around. So if so for that one person that tweeted at you, Bove, where they're like, hey guys, give me a sign of optimism. I think it's probably that. Because this is this is a, a roster and how they've kind of cultivated it that just genuinely loves the disrespect and they they thrive on it. So I wonder if we we see a huge response. We usually see a huge response after a, a big loss from a Sean McDermott-led team um, and kind of going forward because they're not going to get any respect for beating the Saints with Trevor Simeon uh, at the helm, uh, especially if Al- Alvin Kamara doesn't play. They'll get respect after they beat the Patriots, but then people will go, 
oh, well, that's a rookie quarterback. You're supposed to beat them. So they, they, they might have gotten their wish here because I don't think a lot of people look at them as a locked-in AFC contender, good shot to make it to the AFC championship game, game anymore. One of the things that I said, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast at some point already this season, but before the first game of the year, you know, we get to the press box really early for that one. And, you know, you're just sitting there talking to some of your colleagues. And I was having the conversation with Mike Catalana from Wham. And we were basically having the conversation of how different it is when you're the hunted as opposed to being the hunter. And I feel like for the last several years, the Bills have been that team that's kind of like hunting the competition and just trying to be the underdog. And then this year, they had all of the Super Bowl expectations surrounding them. And up to this point, they have not lived up to those expectations at all. And for the bigger picture, when you look at what this team ultimately is, I still think it is still a little too early to know the answer to that, even though we have a big sample size now. I think the conversation... I think it's a little different. I think the ceiling for this team is still a Super Bowl. And I know that's crazy after we just no, watched them. No, I don't think I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy at all. I think that they need to clear some stuff up before they can they can uh yeah. amply say that hey, that this is still their their locked in ceiling. Like I would not yeah. be surprised if this is another AFC championship game ceiling season. I wouldn't. Like, yeah, like I think that the ceiling and the expectations with this team are very different than I thought they would be to this point. I thought we would be sitting here after week 10 and we would be saying the ceiling is the Super Bowl and the expectation is also the Super Bowl. I am not that way anymore. I still believe the ceiling could be the Super Bowl, but really everything would have to go right. They would have a lot of things they would need a lot of things corrected from here on out and in the playoffs they would need to prove to us that they can win close games, which is something they haven't done this year. They still have a quarterback who I think is very very good despite a couple games this year or maybe even half of the games where there's more to be desired. They still have a defense with some playmakers and a defense that has been pretty good this year besides this game. And they still have a coach who I think does a fairly good job. I think Sean got out coached pretty significantly today. So I think that's still the ceiling. But for me, the expectations are get into the playoffs and maybe win a game. But if you go against one of these teams, like, I don't know. There's very few teams that I see on the AFC playoff picture and go, oh, yeah, the Bills are better than that team. Mm-hmm. I, 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 but at the same time, I don't know who the best team in the AFC is right now. I, I I genuinely don't. I don't think anybody does. So I guess the door is sort of open. But hey, guess hey, what? On. I think it's the Chiefs. I don't I don't disagree with you. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, they've turned it's, it around. The, that's the thing. We talked about that after what was it? The game against Washington was that the game? But no, the game against Houston was that the game before Kansas City was Houston. Mm, yeah that sounds right I yes. think they were like three and one and we were talking about how the Bills were getting Kansas City at the right time because they were reeling it looks like they figured it out the Bills are the team that's reeling right now we'll find out if they can figure it out I would mm-hmm. if I'm the Bills I don't think they should want any part in having to play Kansas City again this year wherever the game is like Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming back. Patrick Mahomes starting to look like Patrick Mahomes again. Just the weapons that they have. I agree with you. I don't really buy into Tennessee, especially without Derrick Henry. And they were exposed today by Houston. But, I mean, the Bills lost to them. The Chargers seem like they're pretty up and down. Same with the Ravens. The, the door is open, but Here's the, the Bills thing. have done nothing. Here's the, here's the thing about um, the AFC and basically the NFL in a nutshell this year. Everyone is beating everyone. Like, there, there are so many examples of these bottom-dwelling teams that have come out of nowhere for a victory this season. So if you want a sign of optimism, maybe that's a, that's a byproduct of the mental effect of having an additional game where you're not as mentally sharp, or maybe teams are trying to institute some rest to some of their good players to where they would normally play them. 
you know, it's it's the first go around. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to be said about this once the season is done after, you know, teams can start to gather data about what what they've done and and how they want to approach things in the future with an additional game. But the the simple fact is everyone is is kind of beating everyone this year. So no, it's it should not it should not be a completely a complete and utter okay, this team is screwed. They're they're not going to do anything anymore. They have challenges. They're now flawed. Like early in the season, they really lacked a lot of flaws, which is why you know, from my perspective and when I was watching them on film, I'm like, wow, wow, this is a pretty complete team. They are not that right now. And teams have started to figure them out. They've made them one-dimensional offensively for the most part. Um, and defensively, they have a huge issue to fix with their run defense. And like that is the bane of Brandon Bean's existence. Like There is nothing that drives him more insane defensively than not being able to stop the run, which is... And it's not just Latulale either. Like Justin Zimmer going down with a torn ACL a couple of weeks ago was a huge injury for them because that that crushed their depth. And he's a really good run defender too. So there's a lot of different things, but I think I'm with you. You know, thinking about the whole scope of the season, I think I used the the word ceiling improperly. Expectations is the word. You, I think you hit it right on. Expectations is the word that needs to be readjusted a bit. Because the word Super Bowl is just, you, you, you don't know because it's a long season and there's a lot of variables going forward. They need to prove that they're Super Bowl worthy again. They need to prove that they're playoff worthy even. Like, it, this, this Colts game was embarrassing. We've set it up and down. But on, on the positive side, the defense has played extremely well for 8 out of 10 games. The... Offense seemed like that they were starting to get it, even with the individual game plan, uh, the way that the the Colts were defending them, it seemed like they were starting to crack into it a bit. Um, And so that's an encouraging part moving forward. They're just kind of... The Colts beat them today, but in the other games, they kind of beat themselves. And and that's where you kind of draw, okay, can this, can this team peak when it, when it's most important? And that's that's the the genuine part of the conversation. But yeah, it's for them right now. It's a spot where they need another week, if you can call it that, of soul searching to figure out what they are, refocus themselves, and come out with a strong statement. And if they don't, then they're six and five, and they could be on the outside looking in on the postseason. <laughs> like like that's that's a very real possibility if they lose this next one. So here's your like glass half full, glass half empty approach when it comes to the playoff picture. So the Bills have it. This is the bad. The Bills now have four losses. All four are in the AFC. That is a concern when it comes to the playoffs. However, if the Bills split with the New England Patriots, they put themselves in a fairly good position because the first tiebreaker, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first tiebreaker, I believe, is division record. And the Patriots have already lost to the Dolphins. So if the Bills split with the Patriots, and you know we don't want to assume that they're going to beat the Jets, but they also just scored 45 points on the Jets last week, the Bills would have a better record than the Patriots if they ultimately finished with the same record. So... The division, I agree, although it's hard to say that after we just watched them lose the way we did today. I still think they're the favorites to win the AFC East, and I actually believe Vegas also still thinks they're the favorite to win the AFC East. It is going to be an absolute battle, though, from here on out. Like They've, they've got some really tough games coming up, and things don't get any easier anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, it's the new the New Orleans one is is a weird one because I think it completely hinges upon those three players that I talked about because Philadelphia's defensive line absolutely crushed New Orleans's offensive line in this one like and they force interceptions. Trevor Simeon is not good, by the way. He's really not. Um, so that's that's something to keep an eye on moving can, forward. But can the do the Bills even have the pieces on the defensive line to change a game, wreck a game? 
I mean, besides the Miami game from earlier in this year, when have we talked about a dominant day from the defensive line? There's been glimpses. You know, Ed Oliver has had some really strong games this year. I mean, besides that, I don't know. I just, like, yeah, you would like to think that they could, but I just, I, I haven't seen any sort of consistency in production from the Bills' defensive line. And I know that sack numbers are the low-hanging fruit there, but I just, I think it's more than that. I just don't think they consistently get to opposing quarterbacks as much as they need to be. No, I agree with you. Um, it It's... The pressure has been there some weeks. Um, they, I mean, honestly, they didn't have that big of a chance in this game because I think if they force yeah. in Indianapolis into more of a, a pass, past friend, pass friendly environment, game script, as they say, um, then I think there would have been opportunities for turnovers. As it is, they. The Indianapolis just didn't have to throw the ball in the second half, and that's exactly why we saw the Colts be able to be as successful as they were. So that that is something that, um, that again, changed the complexion of the game because it, it just wasn't close, at, even at the beginning of the second half, and Indianapolis could just kind of stretch their lead and yeah, just kind of just kind of um, domino effect from that point forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, what do you say we hand out some awards since it's 1030 at night and we're doing this way later than we usually are for a one o'clock game? Yeah, let's do it, Joe. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's let's uh, let's go with the positive stuff um, and, and start with the Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise in a good way. Do I have to? <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Um. I am looking up and down the roster, and I am not seeing you anybody want me to go? who did it. Yeah, but then I feel like you're going to take the one person that I would probably. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go go ahead. If if you got it, then then flaunt it. I'm going to go with Matt Breda. Yeah. Um, I just think that when he was in the game, he made plays, and the other people, other guys, did not. Singletary didn't have a ton of chances to, and I'm I'm kind of. We were talking about this before the podcast briefly, so I don't want to steal your thunder, but I am totally done with them trying to hand the ball off to Zach Moss for him to run into the back of an offensive lineman for a one-yard gain. I just I, I just don't think it really does anything for them. So I'm going to go with Matt Barreto. Yeah, uh, Zach Moss's vision and lack of athleticism and overall pop in his runs is really making him a liability and it's to the point he doesn't play special teams uh i wouldn't i would honestly not be shocked if he was a healthy scratch against the saints i really wouldn't i I don't know if they'll they'll get to that but um it certainly is in is within the realm of possibilities especially with how dynamic matt breda looked when they gave him opportunities and certainly because Singletary at least did some things and made some people miss in this game, even though he's had a, a, a ton of fumbles. Um, it's Singletary 1A, Breda 1B, I think, is probably the way to go next week. And at that point, like, why even bother um, making Zach Moss active if, if that's the game plan? Maybe they want to give him one more week just to see, but, like, it's it's bad right now for Zach Moss. So yeah, I I agree with you. I think Matt Breida is the um, the player that that caught you by surprise for good reasons. All right, let's go with the uh, hmm. Eh, let's go to the negative. Uh, the Dre Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in this game. I am going to go with Isaiah McKenzie. Take your pick, by though, the way. <laughs> There's even, a lot of them. Yeah, I'm going to go with Isaiah McKenzie just because I know he did show up, 
but he made a crucial mistake when he needed to not make a crucial mistake. So I'm going to go with Isaiah McKenzie, even though I know that's not necessarily the spirit of the award. I just feel like, man, this game could have been different. Could have been really different. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he was nowhere to be found uh, from an offense perspective. And I don't even think, did he even have a yeah. reception, a target? He did not have anything? a reception or a target. He was on the field for, by my count, 11 snaps, um, even with all the didn't coverage get, time. Didn't get any handoffs, didn't get, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's that's worthwhile. Uh, let's see. I might go with Cole Beasley here. Um, he made one nice catch uh, on the sideline for I think three yards on a third down. So that was that was a good play. But I just I just don't see the the same guy from last year. He's dealing with the ribs injury, but to me it looks like. It, it kind of reminds me of the John Brown situation from last year. And they're different players because John Brown was almost completely reliant upon speed. And it helped him win on his intermediate routes. Whereas Cole Beasley is shiftier than he is explosive. But I haven't seen the same, for the lack of a better term, wiggle um, on on these routes when he's in man-to-man coverage uh, against man-to-man coverage, I should say. I think he could still be effective as a as a zone player, but I think they, they could definitely benefit. And I said this last week; I'll continue to say it. They could definitely benefit from just resting him completely rather than doing this half in, half out thing, and see if he can regain that form that he had from last season. But even when he was healthy this year. I haven't seen it to a grand degree. And I think that's a problem because they depend on him a great deal. They don't really trust Isaiah McKenzie in that slot receiver spot, but they do have a guy in Gabriel Davis that can step in and give them a ton of snaps, uh, whether it be at slot X or Z receiver. Like he can, he can play all three spots, and they can shift Sanders into the slot. They can shift Stefan Diggs to the slot. So I, I'm, I'm of the belief that you put your most dynamic uh, pass catching assets out on the field, and uh, I don't think that Beasley is always one of them th- th- this year, and that's that's kind of an issue. I don't disagree. I think he had a big drop in this game eh, i don't know if you'd call it a drop but you know the play that i'm talking about where mm-hmm. it hit his hands and it looks like i mean alan threw that ball pretty hard mm-hmm. but it's also a ball you would like to see him come down with and i i do think the load management conversation needs to come into play here especially with this little mini bye week that they have coming up so yeah they should have, they should have sat him for this game and the saints game and you can make the argument with Emmanuel Sanders, too, to be honest, because he yeah. didn't do much of anything in this game either. Oh, wow. No, I'm just reacting to what's happening on the TV. The Steelers blocked a punt. Oh. We've seen that happen before. Look at that. Uh, the usage of Gabriel Davis is like a little bit weird to me because he is, he is an ascending player right now, and he has looked pretty good over the last month or so and his route running is definitely better um he missed one reception opportunity but he had to like lay out for that one it was over the middle of the field i don't necessarily blame him for not coming down with that one it would have been a great catch if he came down with it Uh, but he's getting open and Allen is looking his way he's their best deep threat i don't know why he had 20 snaps total in this game and Let's see. Um, seven of them came when I think Mitchell Trubisky was in the game. So, like, what are you doing here? That's weird. 13, That's weird. 13 snaps out of your first 51. I just – I don't understand the usage there. He's he's a more dynamic player. You need to get him more involved. Um, all right. Let's go with the uh, Vontae Davis Award for the player that didn't show up in the second half. Wow, we can literally pick anyone here. 
Yeah, I was going to say, well, you can let, go down the list. I'm going to go with Zach Moss because didn't really do much of anything. I guess he didn't really do much of anything in either half, but mm. I, Breda's I, biggest play came in the second half. Singletary had a few plays in the second half, and Moss didn't do anything. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just go with the entire run defense. In the everybody half. on the defense. Everyone. Yes. Quite literally. That's very, you can absolutely justify that selection. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the Gotta Watch the Tape Award for uh, the thing that, you know, you just you just need another look, uh, whether it be serious or not. Uh, I got to watch the tape on Sean McDermott saying three times today after the game that he needs to watch the tape. <laughs> Sean, <laughs> you saw what happened. He dropped it three times. It was very reminiscent of years past. Got to watch the tape, see exactly what went wrong. You know what went wrong? You guys got dominated. That's mm-hmm. what went wrong. Yeah, I so, got to yeah. watch. My got my got to watch the tape goes to Sean McDermott having to watch the tape. Hey, you know what I got to watch the tape on? I got to watch the tape on that Isaiah McKenzie fumble. Like, still not sure if that's McKenzie's fault. I'm being facetious. <laughs> I know. You know what? Actually, the conversation I had when the Isaiah McKenzie fumble happened was I was talking to the person next to me and we were like, man, if you're inside of a dome, that play probably doesn't happen. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that was a fun little spinoff conversation that we had. Mm. Yeah, that's uh... (sighs) another layer to this whole thing. And the, the final award, the Blaine Gabbert, Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. What do you got? I am giving that to every Bills fan that watched this game <laughs> from start to finish. God bless you. I hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving with your families. You deserve to enjoy some time because today was a mess. So good for you for sticking through. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's well said. Uh, Joe, I, you know who they just showed on TV? Who's that? Miles, I'm pretty sure his name's Miles Killebrew. Yes. Remember we talked about him in the first podcast episode? I said it sounds like an IPA. The Miles Killebrew IPA, yeah. He, he's <laughs> the one that uh, either he blocked it or he scored the TD. I believe he also just blocked the punt in this game. Well, because they just cut go. away to him on the sideline. Yeah, what a, what a day. Look what at, a play. Look at, look at Miles Killebrew just absolutely crushing it. Um, uh, my... Blaine Gabbert, Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. I might give it to myself. And here's why. Oh, okay. About 15 minutes ago, my AirPods completely died (laughs) during this podcast. And I had to go strictly to phone. So I, I am now hovering over the microphone with the phone at an angle to the point in which, uh, I the the audio from you is not bleeding into the microphone and so now it uh it looks very awkward if anyone were to see me doing what I'm doing over the uh over the microphone but hey you know the show's got to go on and I got to hear my co-host right so we must persevere for the Buffalo Beat listeners out there I really appreciate the growth mindset that you're displaying here with the <laughs> mid game adjustments that you're making um but i do i gotta watch the tape and see what happened to your airpods because that is concerning that's something that needs to be addressed no no here here's what was here's what happened i put them in my ears right after i got back up to the press box and started to listen to music and drown out all the noise around me and i proceeded to write for the next four and a half hours what do you listen to while you write Oh, that's for four not for four hours. Oh, it depends on the day. Like today, today I went Drake. Um, I, last week in uh, let's we where were we last week? I don't even remember. New York. We were New in New York. York. Uh, I listened to uh, Taylor's version of Red uh, on repeat. Of course, of yeah. course. Um, Very valid. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Adele. So have you mixed in Adele? I'm not a big Adele guy. It's not like it's not like I dislike her. It's just I just never find myself going to her uh, to her page on my on my music streaming service. Okay, I, I, yeah, I think I'm very much like a I don't want to say a follower because that makes me sound so ridiculous. But the new album came out. I wanted to give it a listen. 
There's, yeah. some, there's some good there's some good songs on there. I, I've 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 heard good things. Um, I'll also do. It just really depends on the mood, right? I mean, I'll I'll do some Kendrick Lamar some days. I'll do uh, Grizz. Um, Logic is another big one of mine. Uh, so there's there's just a bunch of stuff like Radiohead some days. LCD uh, sound system a, fits in there. Very eclectic mix you've got over there. Yeah, I've got I've got friends who like music a bunch, so I just I just kind of follow their lead. Oh, I know you have friends who like music a bunch, and they make me feel like a fool for not knowing anything about music. <laughs> Don't worry, I, I feel like a fool around them as well. Um, yes. So yeah, that that's what's in the AirPods, and that's why my AirPods died mid conversation with you. Well, you know what? You persevered. Yeah. Good for you. Yes, and uh, also. We're T-minus, like, two weeks away from the Matthew Fairburn. Um, oh, I didn't even think about mm-hmm. that. He, he, uh, he could – I don't know if he's going to join us for the postgame pod. I've already told him it's mandatory that he does the pregame show during the week. Um, okay. So, so we'll see. I know he's got his I, own stuff, but you never know. I think Fairburn would be oh. in for that. It'd be really fun. The only thing that might be challenging is that it is a Monday night game. So realistically, we're probably not going to be doing the pod until what? 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And I don't know what his plans will be getting back home. So, yeah, I wouldn't. It would be amazing if he could join us. Yeah, well, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sweet talk him. I'll, I'll, I'll also, see I, I'll see what I can do. Oh, a week from right now, Joe, I'm going to be at Disney World, so that's exciting. Wow, that is that is pretty great. Um, yeah, I'm supremely jealous. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's how the uh, the quick the quick uh, turnaround for this Saints game is is kind of happening. So that's what the Bills have happening next. They will not practice on Monday. They will practice on Tuesday. I think it's a walkthrough on Monday. They'll have an actual practice on Tuesday. Wednesday will be their travel day. And then they play on Thursday, Thursday night against the Saints um, at, I don't even know what the sponsor is, at the Superdome. Um, and yeah, we'll see if they can come away with a victory. And then they've got the whole weekend off and probably a few days after that um, for their their Monday night game against, against the Patriots. So a quick... Wow. Uh, a quick pod announcement. There's not going to be a pregame edition of the pod for this Saints game, uh, just because it's a quick turn, and so we'll we'll get you the postgame edition uh, after the after the Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, might record that on Friday morning. Who really knows? I don't know who the heck's going to be up that late <laughs> Thanksgiving or into into Friday morning. So we'll we'll just see where the schedule kind of takes us. And then the following week, I'll be doing a, um, a an additional show uh, on top of the the pregame uh, the, the pregame show for the Patriots game, where uh, I'll have Matthew Fairburn on for quite some time for that one. So that just as a listener's heads up going forward. All right, Matthew Beauvais, any uh, fond wa- words of farewell this evening? I know I was saying it kind of jokingly, but I hope everybody has a very nice Thanksgiving and they can enjoy some time with friends and family. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you. you know, I, don't, I don't know when we'll talk to you next. I don't yeah. know what our plan is for Thanksgiving, but I just hope everybody has a nice holiday and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about the next time we do one of these. Yes, early, early Friday morning or late Friday morning, depending on, <laughs> depending on travel schedules. But you will, you will have something by the weekend, that is for sure. All right. So for Matt Beauvais, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this edition of The Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. Get yourself a deal on a yearly subscription. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty good one. So head over there, theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. All right. For Matt Beauvais, I'm Joe B. We will talk to you next time. See you.